Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Stress and anxiety. Well, have you been traveling recently? Have you been on the airlines? Do you sometimes wonder how people can be so absolutely inconsiderate to everyone else out there? Well, you are not alone. If you look at what's going on in the media these days, there are people dragged off of planes. There are people thrown off for having cakes, for having people, kids who don't show up and and little ones in in airline seats. You name it. Something's going on. And what is what is all this air travel doing bringing out of us? What what's going on? Well, to explain more, we have our longtime friend and guest, Dr. Mark Steitham in the studio. He is a child, adult, and forensic psychiatrist practicing here in the Windward side. And he's going to explain a little bit more about you know, we hear road rage. What about air rage? What is happening in the airlines, Mark? What's going on? Well, it's it's not good. It's not good. Here we have a uh, sort of a perfect storm, Kathy. Uh, here we have um, the airlines who've lost after 9-11. I mean, they went in the uh, toilet. And uh, now the gas prices have fallen. There's been a incredible consolidation so that now we have four airlines that have 80% of the traffic, uh, which is not good and not good for the consumer. And when gas prices fell, they didn't lower it to the consumer. What happened, when I was 11 years old in 1961, I'm dating myself, I flew to Disneyland and saw my uncle, and it was a great trip, but airlines were regulated. I uh, dressed in a suit at 11. Uh, Everybody else dressed in a suit. The prices were fixed by the government. Uh, and airlines competed on food and service, and it was wonderful. But it was a rich man, relatively, uh, travel. So what happened is, the good news is when it was deregulated in the late 70s, that Joe Sixpack could go see his grandmother who was dying, but it became a bus, okay? So basically, we are now an air bus. So the airlines have decided that they can take advantage of this because of the consolidation, and the thing is that they just people will go by by price. In other words, if someone's two eighty a thing versus three hundred, they'll go for it. Well, what happens when they realize that they started uh, the the pitch between the two seats used to be thirty five inches. The standard now is thirty one. A major airline has just pushed it to thirty. When you crowd people in there. They get more and more anxious, and we've seen the scenes, as we all know, the doctor who has lost his two front teeth and uh, the whole bit. And now that combines with social media, which is people's have their phone, so now that's like showing stuff that normally happened. We are self-loading cattle, uh, uh, and it's coming to the point where they're pushing it to the, I think, to the point of, of – no return. I mean, we've got to, uh, people have got to realize they, that, that they, you can't treat people like this. So, uh, you know, I was going to say, I was thinking on the way over, I said, okay, so what's the solution? Well, one is don't fly. But of course, here we are in island state. I mean, we have to fly. Uh, people on the mainland, a lot of people take trains, they, they drive, they will avoid the airlines. Uh, the second thing is, is that I save up and I actually, because I'm of an age, where I use mileage, although they've increased that, or I will spend more. They want to take some money, but I will spend to get business class and first class because I, I travel all the way. I have a summer home in Maine. So that's, that's six time zones, 5,000 miles. In coach, it's miserable. So. Well, and I think the other thing that we've seen happen is, you know, there's one thing to have a low cost for 
the airline itself. But they charge for meals. They charge for blankets. They charge for headphones. Right, right. You know, the whole idea of service is completely gone. Certain airlines are now going to charge for overhead space. And they do already charge for bags. And even though the airlines are making millions of dollars, you know, a lot of people want to save the money of checking in a bag. So they bring this ridiculously exactly, sized right. carry-on. They're starting to charge now for the oxygen tent that comes down. You know, that, uh, the yeah, let's hope we don't need those. <laughs> but, it, you know, it seems like there's, there's a lot of different a la carte costs that come with right. flying. Right. And then in addition, you also see that a couple of years ago, there was this whole thing about, and I think it's outlawed now, called the knee defender. It was this device that oh, right. someone had purchased yeah. Yeah. that did not let the person in front right. of them recline right. their seat. Right. Right. And the theory was correct. The theory that this person had was, in fact, the airline was selling that space twice. That's right. Which is true because they were selling it to you as this is how much space you have for your legs. But then if someone reclines in front of you, that space is gone. So now you do it to the person behind you and things go All down the way, the line. domino, right, yeah. And that didn't work for a lot of folks. Yeah. So they made the knee defender no longer possible. I see ads now where they're suggesting maybe they'll make make seats that don't recline. Oh, yes. And there's also skinnier seats. So now instead of being a cushion, they're like two or three inches sure. instead of four or five. Right, right. So that does add a little more space for your legs or your yep. body, but that doesn't necessarily make it more comfortable. No. Are those environments where you are... Pretty much in an enclosed environment, you can't get away. You were subjected to rules, seat belts, screaming people or kids or other things going on in the in the near vicinity, people coughing, who knows what not. Does that bring out a certain level of stress and anxiety? Is that where we see some really bad behavior? Well, yeah, and we're seeing it now with uh, road rage and, and people fighting like that. We have a thing called a bubble space. Okay, and uh, in Western societies, it's about 15 to 18 inches. Uh, like if you get close to someone, you're talking to them, like an elevator or something like that. Uh, interestingly, in the Middle East, it's much closer. Uh, they often want to smell the other person's breath. Uh, yeah, to, to whether they have had a meal or something like that. So, I mean, the cultures differ in this. But as you know, when someone leans into you, uh, if, if they're a stranger, you kind of back off. But, I mean, if someone's giving you a hug in, in Hawaii, it's much more tactile, and, and they're kissing you on the cheek and stuff like that. So that's sort of acceptable. But I, I think that you're, you're seeing this sort of uh, – uh, we're reaching a limit of how much you can pack people into a metal tube that's hurtling through the, the skies at 30,000 feet at 500 miles an hour. Okay, this is already traumatic, uh, you know, because it's not comfortable. And the other thing is, you know, deep venous thrombosis can happen. Long flights. We have long flights to the mainland. So I would recommend anybody, by the way, you should know this, but get up. I go up and I go to the galley. They say don't hang around the galley, but I do uh, calf presses. For uh, you know, several minutes, you know, while you're waiting for the bathroom, whatever, or, or, or asking for a drink. But I mean, get those calf muscles moving, uh, because this is not normal to sit for eight hours. No, and these days, because of airline regulations, they want you in your seat. They want the seatbelt on. So right. you're right. The other thing people can do is wear a compression hose. Those have been shown to decrease yeah. the risk of developing these, sure. the coach class syndrome, these DVTs yes, okay. that happen in, in your, okay. in your yeah. calves yeah. that actually can be serious enough to go to your lungs. Yes. They yes. can be quite, quite medically concerning. So when we think about these sorts of issues, what are some simple steps? You know, last week I was stuck. I was on a flight that was delayed. We were sent back to the airport, and we had to get off, deplane as required. 
then we went back on and we got to Los Angeles and our connecting flight had already left. Now, I had known because when I checked in, I was at a conference. When I checked in in Salt Lake, they were already offering money for someone to give up their seat. Uh So, you know, I knew when we arrived in L.A., well, Delta must have been delighted because they had all these extra seats from all these people who missed the flight that they didn't have to pay for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you try and rebook your flight. You try and get some type of accommodation for the evening because the last flight had left and the airlines have a whole different approach now you know they said well this was an airport issue it's not a it's not an airline issue oh sure we're not gonna give you any voucher or anything this is just it's not our fault that there's one runway down at lax and i'm like really you didn't notice the dirt heap that they're digging into it i mean you couldn't have planned ahead but uh you know it just seemed to me like the stress level of the people waiting in line at the quote help desk just seemed to accelerate to the point where I saw one guy having a meltdown. He was like mm-hmm. yelling and mm-hmm. screaming at people, you have to put us up in a hotel. Security was going to be called. It seems to bring out the worst in Well, people. I think that I think those happened again because of the consolidation stuff is that uh, it is bringing out the worst. And this incident with this doctor, I think, has been a good wake-up call in the sense of, you know, you can't treat people this poorly. Uh, you know, people always say, don't go to the desk. Go on your phone and have the app of your phone because you'll get, uh, you know, I'm a million miler with United since I'm married to them for the last 50 years. So uh, so I, I would not have been kicked off that plane. Very unlikely. Okay. Uh, I'm premier executive or whatever I call it. But the point is that they do treat their people differently. And it's, it's really, it is a money issue. So you ask what to do. I, I think first of all is that uh, have flexibility. You know, when we live in Hawaii, and, and Kathy, you've been this, and I'm sure I'm too, is that one of the problems is if you get delayed, there's a domino effect. You may miss your thing. And I've had, you uh, I've had to spend the night in L.A., yeah. So the thing is that sort of just sigh and say that's part of it. You know, don't – don't. and certainly I, would ne- I never book patients for the day after – you know, the day after I'm supposed to come home because I might not come home from my summer home. Well, now that's one of those lessons I need to uh, I need to think about. Yes, you need to learn that. You never too. know. I do need to learn that. That's yeah, right. I usually come in late Sunday night and go to work <laughs> yeah, Monday right, morning. Right. So you're right. That's another thing is be flexible. What I found was really interesting is I had read this wonderful book on the flight from Salt Lake to Los Angeles, and I read option B. Cheryl Sandberg, who is a executive at Facebook, had lost her husband tragically when he was. They were on a vacation, a couple's vacation. He was exercising and he apparently had an arrhythmia and fell on a treadmill. And I mean, if there's a way to go, it's not when you're exercising on vacation. I mean, how how good must you be to exercise when you're on vacation? So she wrote this wonderful book and it really did describe sort of the trauma and the grief process that she was going through over the last year. You know, for her with two kids as a single mother now, Parent-teacher conferences are a big thing. And so I got to L.A. after reading this book, and I was like, okay, it's no big deal. I'm alive. Everything's going to be fine. I had this whole different attitude about it because I had just read this book about someone else's serious life trauma. And it made me realize that in, in, in reference to what things could be, this was a minor inconvenience. Everybody got rescheduled. The rest of my day went fine. There wasn't a problem. 
but that's because I read a book that calmed me down. I'm not normally going to be that calm at an airport. So what can the average person do if they're dealing with some type of traveling schedule issue? It may not be on an airline. It might be in the car. It might be stuck in traffic. I mean, it's not like we don't have traffic here. What no, are some that's, of the that's, things that's that a people good point. can do? You know, it, it's funny you said that. Like another thing, my daughter, younger daughter Allison, uh, uh, was the first one to tell me first world problem, Dad. First world Very problem. True. Yeah, you went from business class to coach. Okay, you're still eating three meals a day and not wondering where your next meal's at. But uh, do you remember? I don't know if you knew John Heckathorn, who's the editor mm-hmm. of Honolulu Magazine. Uh, well, John was a friend, and, and he passed away unfortunately. Um, but uh, he did an article. Uh, on um, on stress, uh, and I was quoted on it, and it was talking about traffic, that very thing. And I said, you know, we, it's funny we have traffic reports here. I mean, on the mainland, you have collateral routes. You can go around Phoenix or something. But I said here, okay, H1 is screwed, so you're screwed. Okay, Essentially, so, yes. Exactly. There's one road, yeah. that's it. Right, yeah. right. So I said that, and he loved this. I said, invest in a good stereo system for your car. Invest, not invest, but go to the library and get audiobooks. In other words, make, if you handed lemons, make lemonade. So you're going to be in your car. Hey, listen to a book that you've always wanted to listen to. So, so I'm saying, I think you have to sort of just chillax that way because you're, you're you know, what's good? What are you going to do? Well, and yet you see people who have road rage and you see people who, you know, injure other folks or pull over on the side of the road or try and hit someone with their car. That's when it gets really out of control. Right. So the average person can kind of calm themselves down a bit, kind of get themselves out of that. But what do you do if you're dealing with someone who's just road rage, out of control, and coming after you? How do you how well, do you avoid I, that? I, well, well, I I I tell uh, feats don't fail me now. I mean, if someone is road rage, first of all, I never ever uh, use my horn. Now in New okay, York I'm City, guilty. Okay, no, listen, I did no, this no, no, man, no, no. Listen, I was in uh, uh, Los Angeles. And uh, with my wife on our honeymoon recently, and I've also been in New York, which is crazy, but people use the horn. I said, here, no, not worth it. And I said, you get some guy in the next stoplight, he comes up and punches your window out. No, I said, it's, it's not worth it. I, no, I, I'll use my horn if someone, no, it's coming out suddenly, like to like a quick beep. But these people go, eh, eh, eh. this New York, L.A. stuff, that's not Hawaii. And uh, the thing is that it's another seconds. I mean, I, you let somebody in, give them the shaka sign. I mean, I just think that uh, uh, don't deal with road rage. The, the thing is that don't incite it and uh, avoid it. This is probably a message for me. I'm Dr. <laughs> Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Mark Steitham. We're talking about all different sorts of ways we can bring out anger and aggression in one another and what are some tips we can think about to try and help ourselves just to sort of calm down and relax. Chillax, should we say it. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Mark Steitham in the studio. He is a board-certified forensic adult and child psychiatrist. And today we're talking about how to calm down when we deal with these inconveniences in life. Yes, they may be first-world problems, but 
boy, they don't seem that minor when we're having them, I'll tell you. Now, we were just talking about road rage. You know, we talked about rage on airplanes and putting a large quantity of people in a small contained space and giving them very little freedom and or ability to move around can definitely bring out the worst in us. And then if you're in a situation where you're in traffic, that's another way. You know, find some other distraction. You mentioned get good music and or get an audio book, learn a new language, do something that can kind of get your mind off of the traffic and what's going on. What about people who have average everyday stress and anxiety? I mean, you're late for an appointment. You don't want to be late. There's construction on the road. The bike lane is is causing a problem. You know, there's lots of people who come to see me in the office and their blood pressure's up and they're all stressed out because they can't find parking or, you know, they've they've tried to get down and construction is happening on Ward Avenue. Uh, For those everyday inconveniences, are there some tips that people can consider just to take away that sense of anxiety of I'm being late, I'm going to cause a problem, I'm I'm going to look bad? Very important date. Who said that? The White Rabbit, right? Remember Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland. Okay, a fantasy. Okay. Uh, I think, Kathy, when I was – back when these self-help books started coming out, like you're erroneous. Okay, I read them all. Okay. Well, no, I meant back in the 60s and 70s. Okay, maybe not those. There was one – I know, you weren't even born. Uh, But anyway, there was one called, which I loved, the title of, which was Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Okay, read it. Parenthesis. (laughs) It's all all small small stuff. stuff. And that is – the thing is get some perspective. I mean, you know, um, there was a famous uh, comic strip when I was growing up by Walt Kelly called Pogo. It was about the creatures in the Okefenokee Swamp, and Pogo was an opossum. And uh, he is famous for saying, we have met the enemy and he is us, which was uh, a great line. But he also, I remember him pulling along, and he said to his compatriots, he said, don't take life serious. It ain't permanent know-how. And that's the thing. The thing is, we are here for a short time, and the thing is, people, you know, uh, are so uh, think that they're going to be around forever. And I think that you've got to understand: is this worth investing what I'm doing? Uh, you know, in terms of emotions, and 99 percent of the time, it's not. There are things to be angry about. There are things to be. I mean, if your daughter's being attacked or something, uh, you know, in a mall or something. But 99 percent of the time is like, okay, this guy just line jumped me or whatever, you know, and said, so what? I, you know, I think we we just get you, you guess as I try to what we call in psychiatry decathect, which means take the emotion out of it. Okay, like in child psychiatry, separate the doer from the deed. Yes, Johnny just uh, drew crayons on the wall, but he's still my son. I still love him, but so he's not evil because of that. But they separate the doer from the deed. So I think I think that uh, you know basically what people can do is to get a larger perspective, and it's hard to do. I was saying to my wife on the way uh, before I came here, I said, "What what are things people do? Obviously, yoga, uh, good." Uh, exercise, good Meditation. diet. Right, breathing, right. Deep breathing. And, no, but I was just going to say, uh, the thing is, a friend of mine who's a, a college friend, who's a multimillionaire, he said he's doing meditation because he said that's when proven to improve longevity. And the thing is that how many of us have the discipline to meditate for 20 minutes a day? Okay, I have had on my phone this Headspace app where you get 10 free 10-minute meditations. Okay. I've had it for two years. I haven't done 10 10-minute meditations. How about that? I know. It's really, it's bad. Kathy, you're a, uh, you know, a classic case of uh, someone who... <laughs> 
<laughs> who needs, needs to chillax? To chillax. I mean, come on. Well, you know, but it's interesting because you're right. I think in a lot of times it just takes a little perspective. And I've I've told my patients endlessly, listen, I'm replaceable. If I'm not here, you can see an emergency room doctor, you can see an urgent sure. care doctor, et cetera. If I'm replaceable, you're replaceable. If you're 10 minutes late, no big deal. It's not like I'm a brain surgeon or right. a sure. cardiothoracic surgeon. Sure. By the way, I feel really bad for them because if they're off their game, like serious things can happen. So I hope they, they all figure out how to meditate. But they actually, <laughs> there have been some studies that have been done that have showed that every time you allow yourself to get into that super stress mode, they actually took a value on how many minutes of your life you're giving up. Sure. So depending sure. on your, your stress hormone release, catecholamines, adrenaline, et cetera, right. you could potentially be subtracting seven minutes from your life. One of the things that has helped me dramatically is to say, is this episode worth seven minutes? Sure. And if it's not, sure. just let it go. Well, how about this? I live in Kailua. I've got an office in my home. I don't have to commute. And uh, when there's an event on the, here in town, it's a half an hour in, half an hour back. So that's an hour of my life just getting there. So I say, is it worth it? And more and more, I say no. Well, you I came can, in today. I feel I special. I did for you. See, that's you should feel special. And so your listeners always feel special when I'm on, and you should know that. But anyway, the thing is that I no, I, I do feel that. And I think that if people also put, prioritize that, you don't have to go see that movie. You can wait till it comes out on DVD. You know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that you can just sort of not say, I have to be there. And I have to be there on time. Yes. I think that's the other key. Yeah, yeah. Is that, you know, I often wonder to myself, here we are in Hawaii, and we have a much more laid-back attitude. I'm really glad I'm not on the East Coast. Oh, yeah. Because sure. that's where I grew up. And so that so kind of I. attitude of be on time, get everything done, oh, yeah. get it all done yesterday. I- I'm glad I'm here because I've relaxed a lot being here. I would be scared of me if I stayed on the East Coast. That that just seems no, too no, intense. No, you're right. And when New Yorkers and stuff come here and they want to do that stuff, they fail because the, it, people are saying, forget it. You know, it's not... What I love the Molokai. I, I flew into the airport there, and I've, I don't know if you've been over there, but I mean, I came out, and there's a handwritten sign as you get out there, a, a small road, and it goes, "Slow down, you're on Molokai." Yeah, very true. Yeah, I mean, Oahu's a little more jumped up, but it's still the same thing. You're right; it's nothing like the East Coast. And anybody here that's listening who's been on the East Coast knows the difference. So things people could do. The first thing is get a little perspective. <sighs> Realize that you know you're alive. There's you have food, you have yes. your daily activities that you can do. Right, right. If you're five minutes late, so what? First right. world problems, as your daughter right, said. Right. Deep breathe. That's another way to really help lower your anxiety. Absolutely. In fact, it's interesting, and everybody listening to this should do this if they haven't done it, but I'm sure slowing your breathing and deepening it will have a relaxing effect upon you. And it has to be deliberate because we, we our breathing, as you know, is, is is voluntary and involuntary. I mean, we we breathe when we're asleep, but also, like if I say right now, breathe deep, you will. But normally, you and I have been breathing for the last half hour. So, but without thinking about it, sure. So, so, so I think that is sort of a, it's got that thing. So people can do that, uh, uh, saunas, uh, massage. Uh, just going for a walk. I mean, there's so many things you can do that are not chemical. We haven't talked about severe anxiety, I mean, which might need short-term medication uh, and you need psychiatrists, but certainly don't turn to that. I mean, you can't live on, on tranquilizers, but, but what I'm trying to say is there's so many things you can do. 
So the majority of people who feel anxious at times may not necessarily have an anxiety disorder. Oh, absolutely. They may just need to figure out how to change the way they're living their lives and add some more of those calming elements to Uh, it. Yes. How would you know if it became a disorder? Well, that's interesting. And we talked – I've been on your show many times – and we've talked about this. And, you know, we all have symptoms of obsessiveness or anxiety or maybe paranoia even, whatever. The thing is the, the criterion is always, is this interfering with your occupational or social life? Okay? Now, people have down days. I mean, they get depressed. But if you're blue for like two weeks or more, I think that's the current standard. That's when you, so, so look at it, you know, in that way. Is it interfering with your life? And if it is, and you're not leaving your house, or yeah. you're afraid to go somewhere as a result, then then we might be talking disorder. In which case, you should see a certified professional Absolutely. like yourself, yes. and then talk about medication if necessary. Right, if necessary, and you know, people have this idea. Uh, you know, I'm a psychiatrist, and people say, "Oh, you prescribe meds, uh, and psychologists talk to you." No, I said psychiatrists can can do psychotherapy too. The thing is that medication is not always indicated. And, and I think that's a that's a common myth that you know you come in you got to get a script for something. No, uh, I am a therapeutic nihilist. Uh, I will rarely prescribe unless they need. And I'm sort of a one uh, or versus two, uh, you know. And then maybe we need to add stuff. But the basic thing, I think, you complicate things. Okay, so I'm sort of like, if you don't need meds, you're not going to get it from me. Well, and then that way you can actually work on truly addressing the problem. Yeah. Does medicine fix the problem or does it just, you know, when we think about some of the medications for anxiety, Mm -hmm. some of them are supposed to help prevent the anxiety from becoming overwhelming. And some of them just are, as you referenced, tranquilizers. Well, you're talking about palliative versus curative. Okay. And for the listeners who don't, palliative means, uh, you know, just helping. It's like a pain pill. It helps the pain. Right, But my leg's still broken. Right. Well, it used to be putting a clove in for a toothache instead of seeing the dentist for the root canal. Okay. So that's the thing. No, no, in the old days, you put a, a clove in. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm just grossed out by that, but that's well, okay. Well, okay, but I mean, that's all people had a lot of times. Very and, true. Uh, uh, kava, I think, they, when the ancient Hawaiians here, you know, they didn't have toothpicks and stuff. So the thing is that certain medications in psychiatry, like antipsychotics, are not palliative, but they don't cure the problem, but they treat it in terms of helping the hallucinations or delusions. Now, antidepressants can actually bring the level of the uh, uh, neurotransmitters back to a, a good level, and so you don't need them all the time. But b- what you're talking about, I think, Kathy, is benzodiazepine tranquilizers like Valium, Ativan, Xanax. These are uh, they're just temporary fixes. Short-term measures. You got it. But yeah. Shouldn't use them every day. No, and they can be habit-forming and addicting. But the thing is that you know, often when people have an anxiety disorder, and we're getting into more of the disorder thing, was that you'll do like a two-week thing to sort of break the cycle. Because what happens is, you know, Franklin Roosevelt famously said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And what happens is people get anxious about being anxious. Sure. So so the thing is, if you could break that, and these medications are wonderful. I mean, Xanax is the most prescribed drug in the world. And the reason is because it works. It's not a sugar pill, uh, but it also is short-term and it can be habit-forming. But the thing is that if all of a sudden go, I'm not anxious anymore, then you can start thinking, okay, what's making you anxious? Is it the job? You know, and I have to say, this is funny, and you'll get a kick out of this. The thing is, in 35 years of practice here, and 10,000 patients at least, uh, my treatment sometimes is a one-way ticket to the mainland. Because, no, because the thing is, this is the most expensive state in the country. Okay, it's wonderful to live here. But the people, if you're working two or three jobs and your, your marriage is falling apart because you're not seeing your kids and stuff like that, I mean, as you know, there's a lot of people in, in Las Vegas. 
that have gone here. I, a lot cheaper. I, and there's other places in Las Vegas. But the thing is, we are one. We're American citizens. I said, there's no visa. You can live in any state you want to. Okay, I wanted to live where it's warm, so I came here 38 years ago. And when you take, if you can identify the source of your stress, yes, yes. if it's financial, if it's not enough time, if it's working too many jobs, then you can address that particular sure, area. Sure. And it may mean that you have to open up and expand your horizons. Right. Think outside the box. That's right. Well, a lot of people, no, and I don't blame them. I mean, they, this is an island state, and people are sort of uh, parochial. I mean, they, you know, where you went to high school is more important here than when you went to, where you went to college. And so the thing is that people think, I can't live on the mainland because I speak pigeon or whatever, but they, they limit themselves. And I'm just trying to say is that there's a whole 49 states, babies. So, you know, you can get out there and uh, find another career or something. And, well, and I think the general message is if you really feel as though you're in a situation where your stress and anxiety level are beyond your capacity, there's options. Talk to someone, do some deep breathing, do some right. meditation, oh, find ways to yeah. help yourself. Yeah. Uh, as always, you know, I appreciate your coming and sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. We will have you back soon, I it's promise. It's always a rock and blast. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on our podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the new app, which is available at your local phone store. Our engineer today is David Chong. Our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We are just going to relax for a little bit longer, and we will see you next week right here on The Body Show. Have a good evening. Mm-hmm.